Okay, so here we are. I just poured myself a stiff screwdriver. Uh, to be to be honest with you, I just drank a stiff screwdriver. Uh, this is a hard one. I uh, think I told you the last episode that I came across a book, Black No More by George S. Schuyler. And I, I hesitate to use the term life-changing. Um, not... A significant amount of time has elapsed since I finished the the book, but I will say that the book struck me much in the same manner that I was struck the first time that I read Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Uh, I was I was in my very early twenties, maybe even late teens, like nineteen, uh, when when I came across Invisible Man, and I just remember sh- being shocked that as a black man of of uh, what I consider to be that advanced age at the time, I had not heard of that book. Like that, no one had placed it in my hands and said, "Hey, read this." Um, and and I feel much the same way about Black No More by George Schuyler. Uh, it's from the Harlem Renaissance. I think it was written in in thirty one, or at least it was published in thirty one. And it uh, it it's a pretty strange, interesting, futuristic, at the time, look at uh, what happens when a black scientist invents a process which allows Negroes to become white, uh, to become Caucasians, that is, for African Americans, the descendants of of slaves for the most part, to become white people in in America at that time. so yeah, um, in lieu of the typical reading of, of the next couple of chapters of The Spook Who Sat By The Door, you are going to hear for pretty much the entirety of this episode the conversation that a good friend of mine and I had about that that book. I, I shoved it into his hands as soon as I finished and uh, and we talked about it. Um, it it's it's a pretty real conversation. Uh, you know, we say a lot of things that we normally wouldn't say in public, and, and I'm, I'm quite honestly, uh, you know, there's a little trepidation uh, publishing them here now, but but I'm going to do it uh, because uh, I thought the conversation was beneficial to us both, and, and hopefully I can benefit someone else in, in even some tiny way to hear it. So um, I'm putting it out there. Um, if you feel any kind of way about it, uh, look me up through the through the website, and uh, and let's talk. Here we go. It's in a book. Hey, it's in a book. I am Lawrence Rouse, your host. I am in Raleigh, North Carolina, and you are listening to It's in a Book. We are the official podcast of the BFBCIR. Please uh, check out our website at bfbcir.com. And uh, yeah, I am here today. Uh, rather than bringing you the next couple of chapters of The Spook Who Sat By The Door, keep in mind that I, I am in fact bringing them to you. They are available right here, uh, linked to this episode, uh, so you can listen to, to both of them. Uh, but I really wanted to share with you a conversation that I had with a, a good friend of mine, um, Mr. Andre Asbury, uh, about a book that I, I discovered in the, in the course of uh, 
just just life you know business as usual uh called black no more by george s schuyler so um i encourage you to to do a little research with regard to the book yourself um there are some liner notes on the on the webpage uh attached to this podcast episode uh which which will explore uh, George S. Schuyler's life a little bit. Uh, there's also an excellent introduction to uh, the book by Danzy Senna, a, a pretty uh, pretty noted, uh, celebrated uh, novelist uh, in her own right uh, today. And uh, yeah, I, I just think it's it's a book that's worth a a read, um, maybe a listen. Maybe we'll cover it uh, one day in the future. But um, right now, we don't want to get too far distracted from the spook who sat by the door. Uh, like I said, you can, you can get both of the next two chapters right with this episode. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna head right into the conversation that Andre and I had right now. Keep in mind, it, it, it's mainly just a, a conversation between uh, two friends about this book. Um, Andre is is a history major from uh, the the University of Indiana, uh, IU. Uh, so he he probably is, is a lot better prepared to speak about most of the things that we speak about than I am. I'm I'm mainly basing uh, my conversation on, on my reading of the book and, and some other books and and uh, anecdotal evidence and etc. So it, it's not a scientific conversation per se. It, it's more about uh, our reaction to the book, uh, we, we we say a lot of a lot of things that uh, you know may may offend some, but hopefully they they won't offend anyone. And, and hopefully if they do, uh, you'll you'll reach out to me through the website and, and we can talk about it because uh, a lot of the things that the book brings to uh, light and, and and brings to the the fore in a farcical satiric manner are things that we we have never fully addressed uh, as a nation uh, which um, you know for a significant portion of its history has dealt with the the legacy of uh, chattel slavery so uh, without further ado I'm gonna just kind of drop in on that conversation uh, we, we just kind of decided to record it at the last minute so it, it's, it's the, the audio isn't perfect um, I edited it as best I could, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and share it with you. So uh, here we go. It's in a book. Um, let's uh, let's get right to it. Okay, so as Andre and I begin to speak here, I want to point out that there are multiple spoilers throughout the conversation. So I, I want you to hear this conversation, but I also want you to read the book. Maybe read the book first. Uh, read it. Go get it. Read it. Hey, we want every 13-year-old to read this. Right. So I think I told you, man, like me, Kristen, her sister Kim, and Christine got together recently and talked about Chelsea Handler's documentary on white privilege. I mean, dude. This book, like, I feel like if she had read this book, <laughs> she might have, like, not even have needed to do the documentary. Because, you know, like she said, the documentary was kind of for her own benefit as much as it was for anything else. And, of course, she was making some money. But, I mean, dude, it it just lays it out so, 
succinctly. Well, well, think about it. Think about it. You know, the end of the book, around what, chapter 11, chapter 12. Right. When the uh, Du Bois character and the leader of the Aryan brotherhood or whatever the hell he was right god what was it what was it called in there because i mean in in the end it's all the same organization but uh yeah in, in the book he he called it and i mean and he clearly named the clan because they it, well because it, was, it used to be the clan yeah but, supposedly uh, the clan had died at that point which was really interesting and you know the clan in 1931 was on a decline but it was nowhere near death right right well i mean and, it, and it, it's he's a futurist you know <laughs> so he was uh yeah, he was uh, he was selling this futurescape. Obviously, I, I mean you know that. I I can't. I'm looking through the book right now. I, I can't find the name of it right off the top. It's in the later chapters. It's yeah, like, yeah. Okay, okay. Here we go. Uh, let's see. It was the Knights of Nordica, right? Well, the Knights of Nordica. That's that's Matt's uh, gig. That's Matt and Givens, right? The guy that they went to supposedly the blue blood from Virginia. Oh, right. Who he was in charge of all yeah. that anthropological information. He had an organization right. that he was president of. Right. And I can't remember that name. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah. So, anyway. So, well, go, ahead, go ahead. My point was, when when they are, you know, fleeing the race riots, mm-hmm. And they're trying their best to convince people that, hey, you know, we're we're white. We're white. Look at us. It goes full circle to, yeah, well, you might have white skin, but in the end, because of your genealogy, your research, you, you, they were bl- as black as everybody from Harlem who was now white. Dude, okay, so, you know, I... I, I was astounded. I, I, I was, uh, you know, in, intrigued, entertained with with everything about the book. But the way he wrapped it up was so beautiful. I mean, <laughs> I could not believe that, you know, ending. Man, it, it was amazing. In the earliest days of America, you didn't have black people and white people. You had people from various parts of Europe. You know, we like to think of people as being English or French or what have you. This this concept, this nationalism, didn't really take hold to the, you know, late 18th, early 19th century. Okay. Like, people talk about the, you know, the country of Italy or the country of Germany. Germany was a, a series of states. Right. They were Germanic states. You didn't really have a quote-unquote Germany. So you get to America, and slavery is the economic model. Everybody knows that. That's how we're going to make our money. Right. In the South. Yeah. Well, it, that's that's another misconception. It was all, it was throughout this country. There were slaves in New York City. Well, right. But I, I'm the yeah. South, you know, quote unquote, industrialized it in, in the sense exactly. that it was the industry there. It it was, was, even though it was agricultural, it was still the, exactly. it was the economic engine. It, was, it was. And I agree with you. And it was very much a Southern thing in that respect, in that regard. That, yeah, it was industrialized, kind of like, you know, the modern-day Rust Belt. Uh, but just like the modern-day Rust Belt, problems in Flint, problems in Detroit are felt in Alabama. Right. You know, be it through these workers are sending money to their families, or it's it's an, a way of uplifting and getting people out of poverty. But more importantly, 
you have all of these smaller factories that depend on this one big engine. So, yes, you had slaves in the South and you had plantations the size of towns. When you think of like the Cameron Plantation, I mean, there's a thousand slaves on there, man. That's a town, you know. That you're talking about Cameron yeah, Village, right? Cameron Village, right, yeah. Right. So when you when you look at that, where was that cotton going though? Right, that cotton was being bailed and shipped to New York, and some was being processed, and some was being sent to England and in various parts of Europe. So the idea that slavery was only a quote unquote southern thing is really it pisses me off because you hear that a lot. You know, particularly with historians, they'll say, oh, yeah, well, it was the economic backbone of the South. It was the economic backbone of this fucking country, man. Without well, slavery, we wouldn't have had a country. Right, right. I mean, so. I, right. I mean, you, yeah, you won't, I won't argue. With you that. get, like I said, but to go back to what I was saying about race, you get this concept of the industrialized slavery. We're going to, this is going to, we're going to mainstream this thing, you know. We, we might not have invented it, but we're going to be like BASF. We made the motherfucker better. You know, we just, we, we have the sweetest slavery on the, on the planet. You know, <laughs> you now have to have a Appreciate reason. It. Yeah, you now have to have a reason for poor white people to be a part of this system. Because they're looking at it going, wait a minute. I'm losing. I can't afford slaves. I can't afford land because all the plantation owners are buying land to turn into plantations so they can put their slaves on. Right. You know, where do I fit in? Oh, I can tell you where you fit in. You might be poor. You might be ignorant. You might be, you know, in my regards, in my in my opinion, trash. But you're white. You got, you got that. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and look at those niggas. Yeah. <laughs> you, you might be all those things that I hate. <laughs> so, yeah, let's be honest. But you're not a I nigga. I don't like you. Yes, but you're not a nigga. <laughs> but, but those guys. Yes. Yeah. So it's beautiful when you have this back and forth of who who's black. No matter what the what the skin color is, black becomes you know an idea. Which, yeah, I mean, which, which a lot of people, you know, anthropologists would tell you it, it always has been. <laughs> you know, you know, if you went to an enslaved person, say in the eighteen twenties, and said, "Hey, man, you're Nigerian, you're Senegalese, you're you know any of these." prescribed damn definitions from from Europeans, they laugh at you. That's what the hell are you talking about? Because they didn't see themselves that way. You know, I, I'm, Nigeria, the borders were set up by British people. Right. So how am I going to, why would I identify with that? How, how How is it that I see myself that way? That's not who I am. I'm whatever my ethnic and tribal group is. Right. That doesn't work when you're trying to oppress people. No, no, absolutely you know, not. You, no. you really have to, no, 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 no. All you MFs are whatever. Right. And I don't like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, the first chance Matt got, or Max got, when he, when he became Matt, was how do I other the other? Right, right. Dude, so he was brilliant. I mean, I, and obviously, you know, he, Scholar, oh, uh, yeah. George Scholar is, is the one who's brilliant, but I mean, he, he, the plot, uh, was brilliant, but so, the other thing that was interesting, man, was, you know, how rapidly the the black community disintegrated in the face of the opportunity <laughs> to fully assimilate. Yes. You know, because yes. the, the basis for the black community up until that time had been the idea that you cannot have what white people have. You know, so all of a sudden when 
people knew that for $50, <laughs> they could have it. That, you know, like all the things that they had, that they had been buying, you know, in lieu of saving that $50 suddenly became meaningless. You didn't, you didn't care about your, your conch or your braids, you know, or your, or your bleaching products or, or your, your, your suit or your dress, no. you know, that defines you because as it, a black person. It was no longer like, around. Saving this $50 and I'm going over the top, you know, I'm, <laughs> The interesting thing was the people who were reluctant to go through the process. The people black elite, invested. Exactly. Who, who were invested they were in people, the... Exactly. They were making money off the black... Uh, you know, know, the business owners. Subculture. The, uh, exa- well, not so much the subculture. You know, they, they had... They very, very much had a well-defined culture. But what was her name? Madam... She, she was basically mad at Madam C.J. Walker. Well, yeah, she yeah. was C.J. <laughs> she was C.J. Walker all day long. Right. Uh, she said, wait a minute. I have wealth. I have power. Why Why would I want to now start over as a white woman? Exactly. I mean, and dude, the, the way Skylar, like, yeah. made those arguments out, man, he was, it was, she was like, she was like, I, I see white women. You know, I see poor white women. If I'm going to be starting over as a poor white woman, Thank why you. the hell would I want that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, dude, it's brilliant. I think it should be mandatory reading for everyone, man. You know, like, oh, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, am I going to make Holden read this? Hell yeah. I, you know, certainly I'm going to try and pick an appropriate time because, uh, you know, I just think that it, it's. That's my concern. Right. At what thing. point is it appropriate? Because. May, hopefully ever. You know, like, I, I mean, do I see that happen in my lifetime? Obviously, I, I don't see it happening in my lifetime. I wouldn't be talking about having to read it. But, you know, but yes, at what point is this appropriate to, to show him something without, you know, w- without presenting something that, that may not be a concern for him, you know? But, but the, the, the thing is, and now you're talking about the futurist. You're talking like a futurist now because it will always be a concern. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and Skyler laid that out at the end. I yeah. mean, like, in it the end, always, it was like, the whiter you were, the more suspect the you more were. The more suspect you were. <laughs> so, so now you want a 10. <laughs> yeah, there's... You want your Egyptian cream. beautiful is that, man? But that's really how society Hey, babe. I remember... Hey, let's let's stop and help this woman with these groceries, man. Okay, all right. All right, um, mm. I'm going to pause this. All right. Hurston or... Uh, now I I don't I can't remember if Zora Neale Hurston was was one because she was kind of shunned by other writers during the, the Renaissance as well. She right? had a she, very weird relationship with her white patron. Right. She, she wrote a bunch of letters referring to herself as your your favorite pickaninny. Right. Which you know, pissed people off or whatever. Yeah, because you don't know if that's an inside joke or she's really playing into these stereotypes and, and you know. I understand it was difficult. It was difficult for any writer. Right. Especially difficult for a black writer. Right. But yeah, people no like, art, what's wrong with this woman? No art is that important. I, I agree. But, I mean, doesn't it seem more likely that it probably was an inside joke? And I'm, I'm sure there's tons of scholarship on this, and, and we're not going to unpack it. But oh, no. Even, you know, the most learned scholar is not going to unpack it because it was between two people that no longer live here. Right. You know, we can't talk to them. We can't talk to either one of them. We don't know what the motivation was. Uh you know, I used to work with a gay guy <clears throat> that called his boyfriend a faggot all the time. Right. And I stopped him one day and I said, wait a minute, man. First of all, isn't that, a, you, know, like, you know, an unacceptable <laughs> term? <laughs> you know, I'm just like, 
look, man, you know that's like like people saying nigger, man. I mean, like I remember, and I and God, I I can't believe I'm saying this because I've said it a hundred million times. But I remember when Negro became part of the or nigger correction became part of the popular lexicon in terms of, of media, and that was NWA straight out of Compton. And and that's around the time before that, you, yeah, black people called each other nigger, but you said it in you know in in your own house, around your own family, or whatever. You didn't say that shit around white people. You don't say it around and white people, exactly. And so I remember being in an elevator in college, you know. So I can't remember when Straight Outta Compton came out, but I started college in 1992, and I remember being Straight in an elevator. Compton came out in the late 80s, late 80s. Because right. I remember listening 89, to it. maybe. I want to say 80, 87, I mean, 88, 89. Right. I remember listening to it on cassette tape. Yep. I, I went on out and got the cassettes. On the bus. And I, yeah. And uh, I, head I was, to a parade. I was thinking, if, are the police going to pull this? I was playing fuck the police. You know, and I was like, man, can, can, do they know I'm listening to this? Are they going to pull this bus over and put me in jail? Uh, you know, and so, yeah, it was it was liberating in that regard, you know, that somebody, but, dude, then... I remember a few years later being on an elevator, you know, with me and a couple other brothers, and there was some white people in the elevator, and they were saying nigger, and I'm just like, I'm squirming. I'm just like, man, we don't say this in front of white people. What, what's wrong with you fellas? You know, and so, yeah, I, it's, it, you know, it, it's strange, it, man. And, they, and now, of course, you know, you have all these books, the N-word, you know, you, it's like, I don't a, like, you know, I don't like that phrase. I'm glad you said that. The N-word. I don't like it. It dilutes the term. What I mean, we're going to have is we're going to get to a situation where it becomes normalized to say the N-word, but the people that are using that term, when it becomes ubiquitous, they won't even know what the N in the N-word stands for. I don't think we're ever going to get there, man. It's already, I mean, like, both words are already ubiquitous now. The N-word and nigger are, I mean, like, nigger never went away. Nigger's not going the N-word. I remember when NAACP buried nigger. <laughs> Was a zombie yeah. running around wreaking havoc right now. Remember that? <laughs> Just eating eating brains like nobody's business, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, so this this idea for me at least. And, and we 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 see it all the time. We we think it's gonna be forever with us and nobody will forget, you know, what the N in the N word stands for. But I do believe with a, a very concerted effort. The powers that be will see to it demising. You know, they, they will see to it its, its its downfall. They will say, hey, you know what? The N-word, the N-word, the N-word. You can already get textbooks from Georgia that say black people came to America as agricultural workers. Really? Yeah. These were official, voted on, put in the school system. Two, three years of that bullshit, and people will say, well, they weren't all slaves. Oh, no, they were all slaves. <laughs> Agricultural workers. <laughs> they act like they were the, you know, I have to use some Yeah, yeah. They act like they were like, the, you know, well, they were the Mexicans before the Mexicans. <laughs> Think about picnic. You know how how the term picnic got may have popularized, right? I've heard that, but I, is that real? Is that is that a thing? <laughs> it, it really did take place. Now, I don't know if the term got its start the way I've heard. And like you said, you I've heard so many different crazy versions. But it really was popular to go to public hangings. Well, right. And, I mean, that I know that's and, the thing. Like, that was, yeah. 
that was definitely a thing. It was real. It happened. It. But I'm just saying, like, I've heard people say, yeah, you know, pick me, pick a nigga, you know. So I've always wondered if that if that can be. I can't find any scholarship to support that, but I do know that there was a festive environment, right? And it and, was, you know, so, so you, you would take your kids out to watch somebody hang a black man. Yeah, right. That, and, and the only reason I when I hear people saying that yeah. thing about picnic, it, it gives me pause because I'm like, I feel like if it can't be traced, you know, to that practice, then saying it almost is hysterical in the sense that it, it you know, it that, that false scream distracts from the actual rape around the corner, you know? Exactly. So, because, um, yeah, it, it happened. It was a thing. My, and I agree with you 100%, my only concern is the practice of packing one's lunch and going off into the countryside uh, did coincide with Lynching and hanging niggas. So right. the idea of a picnic is just not like, oh no, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, whether that's how the term the you know whether that's the etymology of the term or not is irrelevant. Just you know, completely irrelevant because I, I do you know, be like, cause, first of all, I, can't, I don't want your kids to hear anything. <laughs> if every time you went fishing, somebody fucked you in the butt, you right. probably wouldn't go fishing again. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Right. Hey, man, we're going to go deep sea fish. Nah. I'm good, man. Unless that's your thing. Yeah. I mean, unless it's Right. But if it's not your thing, you're probably like, man, I don't think I want to do this. I've been wanting to read War and Peace again. Tell it two cities. Anything. Treasure Island. Get the biggest damn book you can find. Moby Dick three times, man. And this, I still haven't completely gotten everything. Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess what, and, and I understand, I appreciate what you're saying, but what I'm trying to say is, this was never quote unquote seen as a good thing by black people. Right now, it's like, oh, let's go on a picnic. Right. You know, 150 years ago, you said a nigga would have been like, oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Right. So right. that's my concern. You know. Jewish people will never, ever, ever, ever let you forget the Holocaust. That's just part of their mantra. Never forget. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't want anybody to be confused about the term nigger. I want them to understand what it means, what it stood for, who it was directed at, the power in the word. You know, I want, I want to, I want you to see the power and degradation, the oppression that's all associated with it. Right. So saying the, N word is just lightning that for me. No, right. say nigger. Right. Say it till your tongue stings. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, man, and and that's that's why you know it. I found it disturbing when I when it started becoming a, a part of the, of the popular. Lexicon that was because, a proper reaction. Yeah, I, I mean, I was like, hey, man, we, you know, maybe y'all from somewhere strange or whatever, you know, and your mom didn't teach you this, but you know, say that around white people. That's like you know, it's like look, it, it's dangerous it, and and. There is, a, there is a Negro code of conduct, man. Okay? You know that. We could, when I was a kid, if we were around the neighborhood, it didn't matter what you had on. You know, especially in the summer. Right. You had cut off jeans. You know, you had your your worst tennis shoes. You you were just playing. You were outside being dirty. If your mom came to the door and said, "You guys get in here. We're going downtown." You took a bath. Right, you got dressed. You got dressed because you could present the because appearance. You could not of be less. seen downtown looking dirty. 
Right. No matter. You were a kid. You were six. Right. But it didn't matter it didn't because matter. you didn't want anybody looking at those dirty little niggas. You know, yep. there's that there's that, that black woman, you know, with her dirty little I never children understood out walking around from. downtown. <laughs> I didn't understand where it came from until I did a little research and found out that in the 1930s and 40s, you could be arrested for no visible means of income. Really? Yes. Hmm. And what all this was was an attempt to put usually poor white, really, really poor white people and black people into work camps. Mm. You know, you had this effort uh, in small southern towns. It, it, it happened, say, in Chicago and New York, but not at the levels you would see in the Deep South. Right. Where they would railroad these people into Bullshit crimes. Oh, you you know, no visible means of income. Uh, so is this post reconstruction? This is no no. This is a nineteen thirty. So oh okay is, yeah, yeah. It's so way post reconstruction. Yeah, it's way post reconstruction. <laughs> it's like sixty damn years after reconstruction. Right, right. But you had work camps. You had uh, you, you know the old chain gang system. Mm-hmm. You had large contractors who ran turpentine. You know, mills. I mean, I'm, I might be using the wrong term. Is it a? I guess it I would be a mill. Turpentine, yeah. Well, I, mean, well, I mean, I know how you make turpentine. Yeah, it comes but, out of pine trees, but yeah, but, is it a distillery? Though? Yeah. Anyway, wherever the hell they make turpentine, they were like, "We got some free niggas for you." Right. And people would get crazy two years, three years in a work game for something like they got caught shooting dice. Right. Or they didn't have a job at all. So it's like, wait a minute, I don't have a job. So you put me in jail for that, right? Well, it's like I don't have you don't have insurance, so yeah. I'm gonna take your yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take your car. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like you yeah. yeah now you can't get to work and buy insurance. Thank you. <laughs> so one of the ways to kind of keep the heat off you was to always look presentable, right? The thing about a racist system is there has to be the facade of equality. You have to at least say, hey, no, 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 no. We didn't do this because you were black. We did this because we do this to anybody in this situation. Right. Who's dirty and poor. They just all have to be black. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you, right. In some ways, it would have been a much more acceptable system. It would still have been oppressive. It would have still been wrong. But I think, socially speaking, it would have been a lot more acceptable if you just outright said, we don't like you. You're a nigger. And we're going to abuse you. But no, it was, oh, you got arrested. Well, there were plenty of people who did say that. You know, that's why I object to, the to taking down all the, the monuments and all that sort of thing. Because yeah. I'm like, I want to see what's coming at me. You know, I were <laughs> Don't. Inward. Yeah. See what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Same thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Public it's like, monuments. Don't, don't, don't make shadows for the Here's, people to hide in. Here's my, problem. <laughs> here's my problem with the public monuments. I think they should exist. But I don't think I, as a constituent... As a citizen of this city, this state, what have you, should be paying for it. Okay, I I, I got now, you there, but but, but the don't you have to pay to remove them? Well, that's true. You do have to pay to remove them. I say leave them right where they are. Add add a sign, you know, and, and and tell why it's there and what it means. You know, I'll pay for that, but I don't move them, man, because it, you know, like they they were put there at a particular time they were for all, a particular reason. They were all put there around the same time, exactly, and for the same reason, you know. And, and and I and I think I want my kids to know that you know and and I'm gonna do my best to tell them but if they you know I don't mind a little I don't mind you know paying a little bit for that extra sign so so that 
it's right there spelled out. I can see that. I do. I just have and reminded people who put them there, man. You know, and and they're they're descendants. There there has to be a better way than that. I just I, I totally disagree with, and and that's been the story of America. You know, leading up to the Civil War, and I hate when people say the Civil War was fought to end slavery. The Civil War was not fought to end slavery. No, I mean it's it fought was to fought keep America at, as a union. You know, well that, but more importantly, the slavery issue. It was fought over slavery. It was not fought to end slavery. No. Lincoln no. himself didn't want to end slavery. No. He, if he could have done it without ending slavery. He said slavery slavery would die a natural death in about 100 years. So what Lincoln was saying was, yeah, around 1960, 1970, nobody would want to do this shit anymore. Right. The machines will be better. Yeah. The, you know. Technology. <laughs> you know. Education, exposure. All these things will... Now, See, what the, the plan would have been to do what niggas then? Oh, there I go. <laughs> to do what brothers did. <laughs> you know, like, where would we be? <laughs> so, thanks. Thanks, Mr. Lincoln. <laughs> you know what the capital of Liberia is? Um, I used to know, man. Monrovia. Uh, Monrovia, yes. Yes. You know why it's called Monrovia? No, I don't. James Monroe. Uh, I, dude, I feel so bad. That's I used to what know you this, do man. with niggas. I'm sorry, Mrs. Lloyd. Man, I had a teacher, <laughs> Mrs. Lloyd, man. She, she, every black student at, you know, the junior, senior high school that I went to, man, she grabbed them early and, and she, there, there were these, you know, clubs. Bro, you knew every ounce of black history in that was available. And it's yeah. yeah, that was available. And it's, it's such a betrayal <laughs> that, well, that I've forgotten so much of it, man. No, 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 no. Um, and, and here's a, here's a, here's the thing about, Liberia, when it was decided that they would remove free blacks from America, you know we don't have a we don't have a need for these people, and we damn sure don't want them running around. Right, they're going to be taking resources, they're going to be competing for jobs, they're going to be starting businesses, but more importantly, they are motivation for the enslaved blacks. Right, hey, look, you know this guy bought his freedom; he started a business. Also, not to mention the outnumbering thing, because that was so, that was a yeah, concern. You know, that was they were always like, a concern. Hey. <laughs> but but more importantly, you were out in the free world, living this wonderful life and making money and investing in you know this new America, this this new what we would later call a superpower. You know, you could go and buy people. What's what's to stop what's to stop me from buying enslaved Africans? Because the law didn't say black people couldn't own black people. Right. And in fact, Some did. there were, exactly, yes. there were several cases of black slave owners. Uh, so, white Southerners, business owners, mostly, strangely enough, plantation owners, said, we got to get rid of these free niggas. They, they can't be running around. In Virginia, if you were free, be it through uh, a will or what have you. I don't care how you got it. If you were legally free, you had 30 days to get your ass yeah, out of Virginia. Dies, yeah. and, and it's funny, man. I was reading something online the other day about the, the, the uh, trade in free Negroes. You know, you I, and, I mean, there's been a movie made about it. What, what was that? 12 Years a Slave? Yep. Yeah. It, you know, but, but there, there was a, a pretty good trade in, in that. God, I wish I could remember the article. I think it was yeah. in the Atlantic because it, it wasn't directly about that. It, I think it was just more about you know the the practice of the, of the black body as which is something that Ta-Nehisi Coates talks about. 
in in his yeah. uh, um, between the world and me. between think, the world and me. Yeah, you know the, that America has always kind of viewed the black body as as a, a commodity. As it's, a commodity, it, it is yeah. right and, up there with our natural resources. You know, there's gold, copper, and niggers. Right. Okay, that's all to it. Yeah. And well, I mean, you know, there, there's been progress. Like, I, I won't. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to go. Look at T on you here, but. <laughs> I'm not, you know, uh, who's who's Booker T in uh, in in Skyler's book, man? We can't oh, get too man. far away from Skyler. Yeah, how's your because the way he portrayed the the black bourgeoisie, well, really the black see, leadership, the black leaders, that was beautiful too, man. Yeah, I don't I mean, really like, this, see a Booker T character though because I, I was wondering, man, because I was parsing through them all. There was there's there Marcus Garvey who he's Blue Edward. <laughs> yeah, what, what was the name? Stand up licorice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, he he let W. E. B. Du Bois have it. Yeah, um, um, Du Bois, Du Bois, however you want to pronounce it. It's like La Croix, La Croix. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so tomato, tomato. Um, who there? Um, let's see. They, they, he he let the black intelligentsia of the time, the black public intellectuals, etc., have it. I feel like he at least touched on uh, George Washington Carver. Maybe not. Maybe not. No, he didn't. You know, I didn't really see. Or well, Booker T, rather. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I, I didn't really see a reference to Carver or, or, Booker, T. or Booker T. And the, and the thing is, you really don't want to beat up Carver because Carver, politically, he, 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 right, he was a scientist. Right, he was a scientist. He did his thing. He was down at Tuskegee. You know, he was hanging out with plants and shit all day. He, <laughs> you know, he wasn't out making speeches and saying free Negroes. Uh, right. It, the people that got it most, that took the brunt of it, were those people who so obviously had an agenda. Right. You know, yes, I believe things I believe, and, and I, I think they were sincere. I don't think the boys was like a race hater, but he was also an opportunist. Well, okay, so let's, but I, because this, this gave me some pause in reading the book. It gives me some pause, you know, now, like it, it always has, because yeah, he was an opportunist, and he took advantage of opportunities to do amazing things for black people at, a t- at the time when no one else was, you know, so I'm, I'll never, Hold, hold that against him. Um, I'm not holding nor can you him. hold the way he went about it against him. You know, like I'm not he, he just built the political saying. machine, much as everyone else was, and and he was able to accomplish things using that machine. Well, at, I, at I, a time I, when when black know, people were disenfranchised. To anyone who will listen, I always tell people, I don't, I don't believe in altruism. You, you do. In order to truly be altruistic, you have to be insane. Yeah. If you tell no. me that you gave money to fighting childhood obesity or diabetes or cancer. And I said, what did you get out of it? And he said, well, it made me feel good. Bam. True altruism. You get nothing out of it. Right. Nothing. You know, we like to attach like, well, I didn't get anything material out of it or I didn't, you know, leverage it for my own career. No. If you pet a puppy and smile, motherfucker, that was for you, not the puppy. <laughs> okay. Right. So, uh, Skyler. So, let's talk about Skyler for a minute. So, you know, did you read his bio? Yeah, he's a, he's a damn lunatic. Uh, certainly later in his life he was. I, I feel like he was visionary. We, we, we talk about this, right? What, what old black people used to say, there's a thin line between brilliant and crazy. Very, very. <laughs> and at some point, you know, he, he got the dancing on it a little bit, I think, and it broke for him. You know, he, he crashed right through it to the other side. That said, I... You know, the the book is certainly a satire. You know, and and well, of course, he of does course. like a, a brilliant job of of uh, you know painting those pic those, those 
individuals such that we know who they are uh, and and kind of shining a light on the other side of, of how do you do you think he really felt the animosity that one might think that he felt based on his portrayal of them or do you think he gave them you know some credit some I, w- I always think about like the mistakes that my parents made being black people you know living in the time that they lived in when it was hard to, to take care of yourself you exactly. know with no, all the pressure I, you face I, understand. And like, I give them a pass on, on a lot of the things that I now you know feel like I wanted to do differently or would do differently with my children because it, it was just hard being alive as, as a to, black person in the South as to Skylar's true feelings about you know these individuals and organizations we're never going to know we're never going to know what his true feelings were. Based on what I read, what he presented to me as his audience, uh, I didn't see so much that he had a great deal of resentment. Like, oh, you know, let me show you. They're a bunch of clowns. Don't waste your time. What I really got out of it was he skewered everyone. And he said, look, here are the various differences. Very few. Here are the similarities. It didn't matter if you were in the clan or in the, you know, to him, the NAACP. It was still about what you got out of it, not right. about, you know, when when Max becomes Matt and he's addressing the Knights of Nordica, he's thinking to himself, look at these ignorant ass hillbillies. Right. Like, I can't believe that. I don't know shit about anthropology. <laughs> but they're sitting here listening to me. Right, right. Yeah. You know, to Max, to Max, to Matt, Max will have you. It was just another racket. And I think that's what Skyler was saying. Like, okay, you take, you know, Dr. Beard, who's the boy. Who's the voice. Right. Uh, You know, this guy doesn't exist without the animosity, the tension of the white people. I was listening to John Lewis. You know who John Lewis is? Yes. He was being interviewed in his office. And someone said, do you regret any of the sacrifices you've made over the last 50, 60 years in the civil civil rights struggle. And he said, no. He said, I love what I do. I love trying to make a difference. And he said, honestly, without the civil rights struggle, I wouldn't have anything. Who would I be? Man, for me, I was like, wait a minute. So what you're telling me... Yeah, like take a close look at what you're saying, maybe. What you're telling me is this shit's a good thing because it has elevated you to this status. I, so, I, I might argue against that Of course you would. Interpretation. Most, most sane people would. I mean, but... but well, no, no, that's I'm not saying argue you. against what... Well, right, so I, I, th- I might argue against the way it hit you. You know, yeah, because here's the thing. It was like, he can't seriously mean what I just heard. I mean, maybe he did, man. I mean, maybe oh, he just... Man. He but, can't, he can't... I just, I refuse to accept that. I, I agree with you. He probably didn't mean it exactly that way. But but look at existence, man. Like, look at existence as a human being. Like, the only way that we grow is resistance. You know? Like, if everything were were marshmallows, you know, very quickly, walking around, your legs would atrophy to where the minute you had to walk on concrete, you know, they would break. So, yeah, we are creatures of of, of this place that we live in, you know, and resistance is what's required in order for us to, to live here. But I, I think I think I think in an effort to appease ourselves, in an effort to, you know, play to our own egos, we create 
these issues, these problems, this this friction that really doesn't need to exist. We know that race is not a real thing. That's bullshit. Right. Who benefits from this? You know, and, yeah, and that I mean, was the, the point I wanted to make. The elites benefit from everything. Yeah, exactly. So we're always going to have these separations, these issues. But think about it. Before, before the slave trade, before the Spanish discovered, quote unquote, discovered the new world, right. how the fuck you discover somebody's house? People were here. People <laughs> right, were right. here. We were talking about Goldilocks the other night, yeah. man, like about how truly, you know, the same way we talking about that <laughs> I mean, all, all fairy tales, man. Like they're all, they're all, you know, are about these abusive or socially unacceptable yeah. situations, you know. But Goldilocks, like, she just walks through the woods. She sees a house. Oh, it's she not goes now. inside. Yeah, she starts eating. Eating people's food. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's funny. Yeah. But but in the end, man, like I, I guess that's what I was getting at about John Lewis. Like it seems like every story is just about the difficulty of being a human being, man. Man, you to, know. Be, to be black in America, and I know you said a human being, but to be black in this country is to be uh, constantly apologizing, all right? Okay. You are apologizing to other black people who are distrustful of you. If You you know, you said it yourself. We both came from environments where it was like, oh, you have a master's degree? What the fuck does that mean? Right. You know, like somehow you're a horrible person for wanting to make things better for yourself and possibly better for those idiots that are sitting there criticizing you. But you're constantly apologizing. You apologize to white people for being able to read and write. <laughs> you apologize to other black people because you're not black enough. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So what, what I was really headed towards, because we keep getting sidetracked here, there was no need for race when everybody was white. You know? Right. I tell people all the time, I said, if you think slavery in America was about race, you really need to reconsider. I actually say you're a dumbass, but you need to reconsider <laughs> because if slavery was about race, slavery would have existed as we knew it. Chattel slavery in America. Right. Far, far you know, sooner, earlier, before we got to America. It would. It didn't exist until we got here. Why were there no plantations in Europe? So when when Columbus discovered America, fourteen ninety two. Okay. And they said, "Wait a minute, we're gonna rob these people of all their resources. We're gonna take all their gold, all their silver, what have you." And they did a damn good job of that. Right. And then the Spanish said, "Well, what else can we get?" So, well, hell, there's nothing left but the people. We can take the land from them, make them work for us. So, okay. Then they said, oh, there's a whole other continent north of this motherfucker that's free for the taking, too. Right. Well, and not to mention the fact that the Native Americans, you know, in, in addition to not being as resistant to, you know, oh, the European course, diseases, also right. tended to shoot with arrows and shit, and they, yeah. do, and they were on their home turf. Yeah, and they were on their home turf. <laughs> uh, and, and that's true, you know, the Europeans came over, and they bought horses, and, you know, they bought smallpox and syphilis, and you name it. And this wiped out. You know, I love how people talk about the European domination of the New World. No. Your diseases killed more people than your metal did. You know, your, your steel, your guns, your iron, none of that. It, it paled in comparison to the germs. What, what germs did. Uh, but my point was, if slavery had been about race, and it was that simple, these are black people... Therefore, they're inferior. Therefore, they're going to be our slaves. 
But what's going to mean? You don't buy a slave unless you make money off of them. And I tell people that. I said, look, man, there were no plantations in Europe. The English were picking up slaves on the west coast of Africa. They were going down to the you know Caribbean. They were trading. They were dropping cats off in Jamaica. They were going back up to New York, Boston, Charleston, what have you. And then they took their ass back to England. And it was the triangular slave trade. Every every leg of it, you got something. You got people in West Africa. You got molasses and rum and sugarcane and all this stuff in the Caribbean. You went up to New England. You got lumber. You got pitch and tar and all that shit. And you went back to England. Right. Well, why were you not taking slaves to England? Because you would destabilize the economy. Because poor white people say, what the hell, man? I'm already starving. And right. you're going to bring these motherfuckers in they work for free. <laughs> You know, I, this isn't going to work. <laughs> right. So, you know, it was about pure economics. Yeah. But in order for it we to... We know who's really doing the planning. Yeah. In, in order for it to really take hold and not have so much resistance, you had to introduce race. You know, you go to a poor white dude and say, hey, man, I know you're hungry. Your kids are starving. Your wife's got smallpox. I mean, shit's bad for you, man. Right. But hang in there. Because you Because you know... <laughs> You're not one of them niggas. Right. It, it was like, oh, okay. Right. So, yeah. So here, here we are now, like, still dealing with the, the legacy. We deal with it every day. Yeah. Every it, day. It, so, dude, okay, um, to get back to Scarlet for just a minute. And I know we've never gotten away from him, in, in fact. But, so, what no, does this that, mean? If, if this was a paper, this should be 3,000 pages. <laughs> <laughs> we got away from Scarlet <laughs> some so, time ago. <laughs> So, the way the book ends, spoiler alert, you know, like, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, if this does make its way to the podcast, it will come with a, a huge it, alert. Don't read this book. Yeah, even if, or, it, I mean, don't listen to this until you read it. Even the book. if it doesn't, though, man, I, I think it's, I think it's good for research and I think it's good to be archived. I mean, it needs to be cleaned up, obviously. You know, I don't want, I don't want to come off as some radical, psychotic militant, <laughs> you know? Uh, but I'm a realist. I, I just I see things at, for what they are. Uh, I had a professor. So, so did Skyler see things for what they were? I guess that's what and I'm I saying. Think so. The way I he wraps it up, man, about the book is so beautiful. Yeah. So, so spoiler alert: the book ends with this society where black people have almost been completely eradicated. Seems like the damn doctor who came up with the uh, with the process might be the only Negro left. At the end of the book, there are about, and, and like some some folks that I he think, kept around him or whatever. Yeah, I think I think he said there were uh, a million Negroes in in America, you know, down from like twenty million. Right, right, yeah, not a lot. And the book is only three years long. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and they were still working on on getting rid of those. You know, like it was a, it was yeah. a choice. Like yeah. the, the few who remained, the standouts, had, had, right? Yeah. And and he was one of them because he he had nothing to to gain. By becoming white, absolutely, absolutely nothing. nothing. Yeah. In, in fact, if he became white, I think it would have had a negative effect on the business. Yeah, exactly. I think, so. I think exactly. I think if he became white, you now have a system where, quote unquote, white people are turning black people white, and nobody would trust that. Yeah. Yeah. You're you right. Know? You're right. Yeah. He, yeah. You need. He, he needed to stay black. Yeah. He, he and, needed, and he had no reason not to. He needed to be as black as hell. He needed. <laughs> well, he, they. I think he needed some Egyptian cream. It's blue black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh. Um, so, but but that said, you end up in you end up in the end with the situation where it as it happens, 
the the black people who are whitened by this process had fairer skin, couldn't tan. You know, they were they were they became the whitest of the white, and so it then became in vogue to to be darker. I mean, and and I'm like, yes, first of all, like just poetically. It's brilliant, like the way he wrapped it up, and and you know, to like it, it was like it, it couldn't have ended any other way. It, but it, it had to end that way. But but what does that mean? Like what is, what do you think he means? Like I mean, obviously he means that, that there's no end to what we will do to one another in terms of, of you know caste and and I have to be this so that you can be that. Exactly. Is, exactly. is it bleak? Is it is it is it just kind of like dot in the eye? I mean, like tell me what you think about what. The way he ended it, what it means. I think, you know, I'm going to have to make some historical references. Okay. Okay, so we have always had, and when I say we, I mean, socially speaking, I mean, we as the body of, as, as society, not black people, not white people, just people in general, we have always sought ways to isolate and elevate. You know, this group is better than this group because... And it might be something as simple as, you know, within tribal societies, you can only get a certain body scar mm-hmm. or you can only have a certain tattoo or something if you're in this right. group. Uh, the And I'll, I'm not going to quote if it was the Incas or the Mayans or whatever, because I'm sure some of your listeners would be like, that Negro don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> I'll just say I, I get that, that it was a... <laughs> It was, a me- it was a Mesoamerican group, all right? Okay. Columbia. They would flatten the heads of their infants to to a point, like like the cone heads on Saturday Night Live, right? If they were of royal lineage, so all, yeah, I mean, but for that society, that was desirable. You right. know, people right. thought, oh yeah, well, you see his head, right? He's somebody important. Now, to us on the outside looking in, we go, that motherfucker's a mutant. Right. You right. know, why would they do that to a child? Right. But this was extremely important. Okay, you go to Europe. I know you've heard of the Habsburg chin. Yes. But these but cats were unpacking. so <laughs> the Habsburg dynasty, right? These cats were so inbred that they had all these deformities, all these mutations, all these genetic issues. They had all sorts of diseases and things like that. I mean, and and it was common practice among European aristocracy, among the royalty in particular. To intermarry. Okay. I mean, yeah, this is, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, that's almost a meme. <laughs> Have you ever heard the term a double niece? A double niece. Yeah, probably like talking about somebody in my family. Let me family. break it down for you. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Let me break it down for you. A double niece is your brother's daughter and your sister's daughter. They're the same person. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? So, yeah, no, no. Sorry, family. No, we didn't have any of so those. You, so, you've got a situation where a brother has, you know, reproduced with his sister. Right. So, that means the third brother in line, that's his double niece. Right. And there were cases of cats marrying the double niece. Oh, so, my brother God. and sister have a child, and then I marry that child. <laughs> right. This was common practice, man. Right. These are things that we would look on. Keeping it all in the family. Yeah, we would look at, well, that's insane. Why would anybody do that? Because it was so important to keep the money and power within a certain group. Right. They would go to these extremes. Okay. We haven't really gotten away from that. 
We, we introduce religion. Catholics can't marry Protestants. Jews can't marry Catholics, etc., etc., etc. That's not enough to keep people apart. We introduce race. You're black, you can't marry a white person. You're this, you can't do that. That's not enough to keep people separated. We introduce money. That doesn't keep people separated. We're always going to find something to other. You're not like me. You're only five feet tall. All my people are six feet tall. It could be that stupid, that trivial. So I don't see an end to this. And that's what Skyler was pointing out. Right. It doesn't matter what you call people. You will always have another. Right. You're, you're Even when something. you become a part of the group, they're going to find something. Yeah, okay, you're white now, but I notice you wear a size 13. All white people have a size 8 foot. Right. You know? Right, yeah. So you, and that's laughable, but you go, wait a minute. That's enough to separate people. Right. Right. We had a genocide in Europe where 6 million Jews died, and their only crime was being Jews. Right. That's, that's how simple it was. Nothing else. Yeah. So I don't see an end to this shit. Uh, I did find it interesting, entertaining that, you know, suddenly being super pale <laughs> meant you weren't truly, you weren't <laughs> a true white person. I mean, yeah, dude, the, the, the comedy uh, alone in that ending, uh, have was, you read, have you read, I, I think I was like reading and, and laughing and peeing all at once and over the final five pages. The titles, of the man. The book titles. <laughs> yeah. You know, the sexual practices of the left-handed Yeah. And I was like, what the? You know, at some point. Yeah, when he was talking about the scientists yeah. and the journals. Well, at some point, uh, I'm and the reading this. They've written. I'm yeah. reading this. Skyler was funny. Yeah, well, I'm reading this, and I'm not really, like, paying attention to the fact that this is satire. And when, he, when I hit one of these titles, I'm like, man, this is the most insane shit I've ever seen. Right. Well, I mean, because, dude, okay, so that's the other thing. Let's talk about that. Because this is satire, but let's think about, and, you know, I, I don't want to say so much about certain things or whatever, but let's think about today's uh, uh, social, political environment or whatever, man. And it's like, what was satire in the, the 20, what, when was this written? 31. Uh, yeah, 31, you know, late 20s, early 30s. All of a sudden, so much of this sounds so scary and true to life that yes you needed the jarring of those of those article titles those book titles well, to, to, to remind you that oh my god this is supposed to be satire it speaks to the absurdity of you know academic pursuit man. and i'm not knocking anyone who makes a career out of but, but, writing but, or research let's go back there in a minute but you're missing my point what i'm saying is that like what was supposed oh, no, no, to be satire is your, all of a sudden yeah i didn't miss your point this is real book, this book could have been written in 2019 <laughs> right Right. You know, it's this, scary. This is an 80-year-old book, and everything in it is relevant right now. Right. You know, we've got a president running around saying, well, anything I don't like is fake. It's fake news. Yeah. That's it. I'll, I'll, I'll just be that dismissive of it. Fuck it. I, but, but you said yesterday you were going to kill every black person in China. Well, there's only like three. <laughs> and nobody has a problem with this. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You know, like, well, yeah, it's only three. And you know he doesn't really mean it. No, he means it. This is crazy. You yeah. know, so, yeah. no. But I spent a great deal of time at IU listening to a bunch of pompous-ass blowhards that just felt like their shit didn't stink, man. I mean, these guys were really, you know, whoa, 
I took a class, give me an, an example. I took a class on European intellectual history. Mm-hmm. Dude, the professor, nice guy, but he said to me one day, I was visiting him in his office, and we were talking about, because it was all Nietzsche and, uh, you know, it's all these philosophers and it was some pretty dense stuff, man. So you would read it, read it, read it, read it. You'd, I'm like, damn, I couldn't have missed that much. You know, let me reread it. I'm in his office. We're talking. And he says, well, some things just need to be done. And I thought, no, they don't. Everything we've done with our modern lives is to make shit less difficult. Think about it. You and I both can take an abacus or a slide rule. And, you know, do advanced math. Right. But I choose a computer. <laughs> and and most people do. I would choose a computer as well, Andre. However, I kind of understand his argument because... No, I don't. Let, well, let me finish. So let me finish. So don't we need to preserve the ability to, to trace the computer back to the abacus? We, because if we don't, we like, do. at some I point, agree. I agree. something's going to happen. But, but and, and we won't have computers. But what he so said... We, need, we can't forget the math. Exactly. But he didn't say we need to preserve, you know, as you put it, the path back. What he said was, by, the, by its very nature, something should just be difficult. And I don't agree with that. I, I'm, I'm on the fence with that, man. Because I, I don't think I, so. Man. I think that, you know it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Well, the point is resistance, man. You know, like like it, it's 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 how you build muscles, man. Like like you know you like no baby is born you know bench pressing three hundred pounds. Like you it you. I, I get and that. if you ever want to bench press 300 pounds, you're going to have to start with 135. And, but, and, you know, like, I, get, like, so I get what you're saying. And I think we're essentially saying the same thing. But what I mean by you just, you shouldn't go out of your way to make things difficult. Yeah. And some shit is just hard. It's hard. And I tell right. people that all the time. And so maybe he just misspoke. Like, maybe he's just, no, you he's know, a, he's inarticulate. He's a fucking elitist, is what he was. You know, yes, probably. You know, this dude. You know, everything about his existence was okay. I make X amount of money. I've achieved this. You know, I have this particular degree. I drive this car. I mean, this dude, man. You know, and uh, don't get me wrong. I know probably the people hearing this or people who would hear this, you might get the impression I don't like him. I didn't dislike him. I just thought his comments were were hurtful. And what I meant by that was not to me. I didn't give a shit. You right. know, but. What you've done is built a wall around yourself, and people that can be helped by you can't reach you. Right. Because you're sitting right. here saying, well, if you don't get this, yeah. it's not for you. And I think it's for everyone. Now, there's a difference in working hard and hard work. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to work hard. You know, if I can find an easy way around it, well, hell, I'm going to do that. Right. But I'm not afraid of hard work. You know, and what I mean by that is, Let's say, for example, take cooking, for example. Yeah. You know? Now, a sharp knife, some common sense, and a few skills, and you can prep and cook any meal, right? Right, right. If you don't have the knowledge and you have bad equipment, now you're just making a simple job hard. Right. That's working hard. Right, right. Yeah, you, you've got a dull knife trying to cut tomatoes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you on, know. on the flip side of that, you say, well, what is hard work? I don't care who you are. If you take an axe and go chop wood for eight hours, 
that's just hard ass work. There's no way around that. Right. And that's what I mean by working hard versus hard work. Some things are just difficult. Right. Well, that's I mean, the yeah. way it is. They can't be simplified. You can't. Right. right. But when you start talking about philosophy and you start talking about sociology and you start talking about things that are rooted in opinion, they can be simplified. You know, I was right. reading about, and I can't remember the guy's name. He's a gardener. He just passed away. He's from Atlanta. Damn, what was his name? Well, he was a real prick. <laughs> Dude, he he got to a point where he would only refer to plants by their Latin names. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. a real prick. You're a pretentious <laughs> asshole. <laughs> if, if you only refer to, you know, so well, what kind of plant is that? Oh, that's a blah, 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 blah. And you're like, Damn, this shit doesn't have a common name? Yeah, it's like, oh, it bro, does. that's a snake plant, man. My grandma had those. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it does, but you're too ignorant to know it. You know, I mean, that's that's going out of your way to, to alienate and isolate. You know, you, you, I'm, I'm the other. You, I'm better than you. I know the Latin name. You know, it'd be like if every time I had a conversation with you, I would refer to everything by its medical, you know, term. Say, like, oh, Holden has a headache today? Oh, it's cranium? <laughs> like, what the hell is wrong with you, man? <laughs> Yeah. So no, I don't. I don't believe in things being difficult for the sake of of difficult know, of difficulty. No, and yeah. and and that was what I liked about this book. It wasn't so scholarly that that you couldn't follow it. Right. Right. You know, I think I think people who don't even like reading would love this. Book. Would love this book. I can't imagine anybody not loving this book, man. I mean, well, well, I mean yeah, you, you, you probably nail, would no, hate it. In you're going to hate the content. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I can see somebody not liking the content. Right, right. But um, it's well written, man, and, and it's, you know, it's compelling. When and we were talking, cool right along. we were talking a few days ago, I was probably on, like, page 30. The Anglo-Saxon Association of America. That's it. Yeah. When you, What you said to me, I was reading about 2 in the morning. When I hit page 50, and you said from page 50 on, you're not going to put this book down. Right. Man, from page 52 on, I was like, what the? Yeah. Yeah. It's something else, man. It's something else. Hey, so I got to uh, start getting ready for the arrival of some guests here, man. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and uh, clean this up and... Uh, and and get this on the podcast to go with the next uh, next couple of episodes well, of the well, Who Sat by the since, Door. Since you're going to put it on, I uh, I like to make an announcement. Okay, let's hear I'm it. I'm going to start my own society. <laughs> it's called the Antiquated Negro Upliftment Society. Okay, okay. And it's for short. <laughs> you're retarded. <laughs> oh, I, I can't... I shouldn't have said that, especially if I'm going to put this on the podcast. That's, that's not an acceptable. Uh, well, you know that, that goes back to uh, that goes back joke. to the N word, man. That goes back to the N word. You know, I said that one day during dinner, Roxy leaned in and she said, "Don't ever use that word again." I said, "What?" She said, "You can't say retarded." And I said, well, "What the hell do you call a retard?" <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> Stop there. All right, all right, yeah. Hey, thanks, bro. Oh. Oh, God. So, who is it? Just Kelly? Hey, there it is, man. Uh, for for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do his part. It is in a book. Um, yeah, um, there's the conversation Andre and I had about Black No More. 
listen, you you have to read this book. However you feel about uh, race in America, uh, about uh, you know our, our history as a country dealing with race, whether you feel like race doesn't exist, whether you feel like it does, whether uh, <laughs> whatever your position, this book has something for you. Uh, Black No More. Uh, uh, George S. Schuyler. I, I just sent my last copy uh, in, a, in a flat rate box to a buddy overseas. Um, please go get this book, read it. Now, of course, I, I really also think that you should read The Spook Who Sat By The Door. However, uh, if you don't have time to read them both, you can listen to The Spook Who Sat By The Door right here on a cinema book. Uh, the, the next two chapters, I believe that they are seven and eight, are attached to this podcast on the website. So right there, you will see the podcast in its entirety. You can click on it and listen to it, or you can click on chapter seven and listen to it, and then uh, click on chapter eight. And of course, they're both right there in the repository for the uh, for the other chapters. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming along. Uh, I'm going to get this up on the web ASAP, hopefully in the next couple of minutes here. And we'll see you back here again as soon as possible to uh, read the next chapter of The Spook Who Sat By The Door. That will be chapter 9 and chapter 10 will, will be attached to it as well. Um, it's in a book. Thank you. We'll see you soon. What are the dollar you're mad at for? Is that the one fighting for your soul? Or your brother's the one that you're running from? But if you got money, fuck it, cause I won't solve. B.I.G. Fuck with me. Oh God. Whoa. Okay, ain't nobody fucking with my click. Click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my motherfucking click. Click, 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 click. As I look around, they don't do it like my click. Click, 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 click. And all these bad bitches, man, they want the. They want the. They Oh, God. I tell a bad bitch, do whatever I say My block behind me like I'm coming out the driveway It's grind day from Friday to next Friday I've been up straight for nine days, I need a spy day yep. She tryna give me that Poo-Tang I might let my crew bang, my crew deep in that Wu-Tang I'm rolling with her, fuck I'm saying Girl, you know my crew name, you know 2 chains. I'm pulling up in that Bruce Wayne But I'm the fucking villain, man, they kneeling When I'm walking in the building Freaky women, I be feeling From the bank accounts, I'm feeling What a feeling no, nah, man, ain't gotta be a young player from the D that's killing okay, everything that he see but no. Click, 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 oh click, click Ain't nobody fresher than my motherfucking click Click, 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 click As I look around, they don't do it like my click Click, 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 click And all these bad bitches, man, they want the They want the They want the Stick them up yeah, I'm talking yeah. Yeah, I'm talking re. Yeah, I'm talking B. Nigga, I'm talking me. Yeah, I'm talking bossy. I ain't talking Khalees. Your money too short, you can't be talking to me. Yeah, I'm talking LeBron. We ballin' our family tree. Good music, drug dealing cousin, ain't nothing fucking with we. Me, turn that 62 to 125, 125 to a 250. 250 to a half a man, ain't nothing nobody could do with me. Now, who with me? Vominos, call me Hov or Hefe. Translation, I'm the shit. At least that's what my neck say. At least that's what my checks say Lost my homie for a decade Nigga 
down for like 12 years, ain't hugging son since the second grade. Uh, he never told. Who we gon' tell? We top of the totem pole. It's the dream team, meets the supreme team. And all our eyes green, it only means okay. one thing. You ain't fucking with the click. Click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my motherfucking click. Click, 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 click. As I look around, they don't do it like my click. Click, 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 click. And all these bad bitches, man, they want the. They want the. They want the. Break records to Louis. Eight breakfast of Gucci. My girl a superstar, all from a home movie. Bow on our arrival, the un-American idols. When niggas didn't pass, got them hanging off the Eiffel. Yeah, I'm talking business. We talking CIA. I'm talking George Tenen. I seen him the other day. He asked me about my Maybach, think he had the same. Except my tenant, and it might have been rented. You know, white people get money, don't spend it. Or maybe they get money by business. I'd rather buy 80 gold chains and go ignorant. I know Spike Lee gon' kill me, but let me finish. Blame it on a pigment. We live in no limits. Them gold masterpiece ceilings was just a figment of our imagination. MTV Cribs, now I'm looking at a crib right next to where TC lives. That's Tom Cruise. Whatever she accused, he wasn't really drunk. He just had fruit brews. Pass the refreshments, a cool, cool beverage. Everything I do need a news crew's presence. Speedboat swerve, homie, watch out for the waves. I'm way too black to burn from sun rays. So I just meditate at the home in Pompeii. About how I could build a new Rome in one day. Every time I'm in Vegas, they screaming like he's Elvis. But I just wanna design hotels and nail it. Shit is Real, got me feeling Israelian like Bar Raphael or Giselle. No, that's Brazilian. Went through deep depression when my mama passed. Suicide, what kind of talk is that? But I've been talking to God for so long. Now if you look at my life, I guess he talking back. Fucking with my click. Ain't nobody fresher than my motherfucking click. As I look around, they don't do it like my click. And all these bad bitches, man, they want the.